Morning, friends. I trust that you are delighting in the presence of the Lord. I'd like to uh, welcome a first-time visitor on a Sunday this morning, Tom and Angela. Who'd you bring with you? Leah Grace is with us for the first time. Uh, is she here? You want to hold up the stroller? Just kidding, Tom. <laughs> Just kidding. But we just want to say congratulations to you on the birth of Leah. Praise God. Welcome. Hope, how do you like your new sister? She's good? I like that. Good, good, good. Well, uh, we have a children's ministry called Kid Connect, and uh, we are going to dismiss them in just a moment, but before... I do that, I would like them to join me on the platform. So if you are a part of Kid Connect, I'd like you to come up here, okay? So come on, guys. Right on up here. Uh, this is all spontaneous. They know nothing about this. So uh, let's see what happens. Good job, guys. Uh, you can come a little farther forward. Okay. Spread out a little bit, because we're going to have some movement. Okay, spread out. Good. Do you guys like it when the worship team leads us in worship? Well, you're going to be the worship team. <laughs> they know nothing about this, but it all has a purpose. How many of you know the song, If You're Happy and You Know It, Clap Your Hands? Okay, do you know that song? How would you guys like to sing it with me for these guys? I, I can see the excitement. I can feel it. It just permeates through them. Would you, would you like them to sing it with you? Okay, good. All right, so uh, they need a little help. So let's stand. I know you're all comfy. Hey, I got to stay in the whole service, you guys. What are you complaining about? I got to stand again. He's making me stand up again. Stand up, stand up. Yeah, I stand the whole time, so it's all right, right? Okay. All right. If you're happy and you know it, what? And second verse, stomp your feet. Okay, let's see you stomp your feet. No, no, I mean a stomp. Okay, and the third one, good. If you're happy and you know it. No, let's shout amen. Okay, so when I count to three, I want you to shout amen. One, two, three. Amen! Okay, but let's do it with the fist raised, okay? One, two, three. Amen! Okay, that's, that's pretty good. All right, now, what I want you guys to, to help me with, how happy are these guys? Because it's supposed to show on their face, okay? So, so let's see how they do, all right? All right, a cappella, that means no accompaniment. This is going to be fun. Here we go. If you're happy and you know it, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, then you're they show it. If you're happy and you know it, if you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. If you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. If you're happy and you know it, then you're. If you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. If you're happy and you know it, shout amen. Amen. If you're happy and you know it, shout amen. Amen. 
If you're happy and you know within your show it if you're happy and you know If you're happy and you know it, do all three. If you're happy and you know it, If you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show. If you're happy and you know it, do all three. Amen. Give yourselves a hand. Great job. Sam, how did they do? They did pretty good? Good. Why don't you give them a hand, kids? Give the adults a hand. Good job. All right. Thank you for helping. Off the kid connect you go. Great job. All right. All right. Yeah. Yep. 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 Great job. Good job, guys. Nice job, man. All right. You may be seated. So I I wonder, I wonder as I thought about the passage for today, what's it going to take to make you a happy camper? What's it going to take, really, to make you a happy camper? Would more money do that? Would friends? Would health? Better job? What in this world of choices can bring us a happy life, except, of course, a happy wife? That's right. Okay, we get that. I like that. Is there anything that allows us to experience happiness that lasts longer than an ice cream cone on a hot day? What can we do about this? Now, our Declaration of Independence says that we all have the right to life, liberty, and the, the pursuit of happiness. That is an American right. And I'm thankful for that. And yes, indeed, we pursue happiness. It's a relentless pursuit. People are serious about trying to find happiness in life. Yet happiness can seem to be so elusive. So elusive. Hmm. Where do I go to find happiness? Where do I have to go to find it? Jesus is always a good answer. Do I need to climb a mountain in Tibet or climb the steps to Lambeau Field? Is happiness found in Sheboygan or is it in Shanghai? Where can I find happiness? Try as we might, this happiness hole in our soul will never be satisfied through our mind, intellectually. Just won't happen. If you hunt for happiness with your head, what do you get? A headache, right? Because it's just not going to happen. Happiness in life can't be found in the library. It's not found when we get that degree we've been attempting to obtain. Same way when we try to find happiness by living for the weekend. Will wine, women, and song bring happiness? Well, maybe booze and pills and sex can fix things for a little while, but they won't make happiness happen over the long haul. How many of you have tried some of those other means? Yeah. Doesn't last. Well, maybe having more is the answer, I wonder. Maybe having more will make us happy people. Maybe more is better. USA Today carried an ad for BMW. That's a car. It read like this. Needless to say, you can't buy happiness, but for a mere $2.99 a month, you can lease exhilaration. Simply visit your authorized BMW dealer before September 30th and lease a new BMW. After extolling the virtues of this phenomenal automobile, the ad concludes. 
For a program of spiritual uplift on easy monthly terms, we recommend that you visit your participating BMW dealer. Did you hear what I said? A program of spiritual uplift on easy monthly terms. How American can we get happiness for $2.99 a month? Many of us would sign up for that. If I could be happy for $299 a month, wow. There is one truth there. You can't buy happiness. So where do we go for answers? Well, we go to the Bible, of course. In these last couple of weeks, uh, we've been challenged from Matthew 5, 1, and 2 to become a climbing companion of Jesus Here's what Matthew wrote. When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. And we've been learning and just beginning a journey of what it means to be a climbing companion, about mountaineering and the commitment that it takes. Now here in Matthew 5, 3 through 12, uh, we find the Beatitudes. We started talking about them last week. And here Jesus begins, in my opinion, the greatest sermon ever preached. 111 verses in the Sermon on the Mount, by far the longest teaching of Jesus on record. Now, he captivates his climbing companions by hitting us right where we live. That's why these words are so powerful. They were then, they are now. And the multitudes who followed him to that hillside up there on the shores of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, included the rich and famous. They were there. The down and outers, the healthy, the ill, the holy rollers, the demon-possessed. They are all there in the crowd. They're all listening to Jesus. They're all attempting to climb. All had this in common. They were all searching for something. They were all searching for something more than they had at that moment. And not about you, but often we're restless and we're searching for something more. Something more. And Jesus understands that for sure. So he begins his message by talking about happiness. What? What? My Bible says blessed. What do you mean happiness? Hold on to that thought. Hold on to that thought. He presents the possibility of people being genuinely happy no matter what life throws at them. The possibility that we can truly be happy no matter what's happening in our lives. And many people, in fact, I think most Christians find this really hard to believe because we don't experience it. And we find it elusive. How could such a demanding sermon start with happiness? Because this is the heart of God. And Jesus came to reveal the heart of God. You want to see the Father? Look at me, Jesus said. So he starts this most important message with this word. Hmm. Hmm. Yet some folks see God as some kind of cosmic killjoy. Uh, this law, law-abiding, gun-toting, kind of smack-you-in-the-head uh, kind of God that sits up there just waiting for you to mess up. Nah. He wants to rescue you and me from our tragic lostness. He wants us to set us free and give us the power to find something sustainable Sustainable happiness, but not happiness in the way that we define the word. Happiness in the way that God sees it. Happy. Happy. Hmm. Last week we learned that the word beatitude is not found in the Bible. It comes from the Latin word beatitudo to describe a condition. This condition which is translated blessedness in many of your Bibles. Well before Latin, the concept is found in the Old Testament beatitudes. The Hebrew word is esher. 
Blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. That's actually an Old Testament beatitude. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. The New Testament beatitudes that are before us over these next months begin with one and same Greek word, makarios, and that's where we're going to focus. Our text today is just that one word, makarios. Yeah, I don't know how it's translated for you, depending on which version of the Bible you're using. Some of you will find it translated blessed, There's other versions out there that translate this word differently. It's the same Greek word. It is makarios. So what does it mean? It's used nine times in those nine verses. It's an important word. Jesus starts his message with this word. If this is the most important message, then the first word is also very important. Blessed. Blessed. Now let me tell you what the word doesn't mean. Sometimes when people sneeze, they say, bless you. Gesundheit. Bless you, right? Uh, others in, in, the, in Christianity uh, use the phrase, bless your heart. Oh, bless your heart. Bless your heart. Uh, let's see what that might mean. This is what the word doesn't mean, okay? I direct your attention to the screen. Bless his heart. <laughs> Once we get married, you won't be watching as much football. Bless her heart. Oh, oh, hey, hey, Jess. Hey, next, next time, next time. Bless his heart. So that's definitely what the word doesn't mean. The question is, what does the word mean? Bless or blessed, this condition or state of blessedness. Now, the concept is really tough to translate in English. That's why there's so many words used to translate that one word. Happy and fortunate are suggestions, but they still come up way short. Why? When we think of the word happy, happy, We focus on our emotional well-being, and that can change minute by minute, hour by hour. And so your happiness is dependent on your emotional state. doesn't work for sustainability. Uh, The word fortune is derived from a Latin word, which means chance or luck. And it was used by a Roman goddess who randomly determined each person's destiny, depending on which mood she was in. It still means haphazard or random, like, oh, you're really lucky, right? Fortunate. That's not what the word means. But Jesus begins his teaching with this word. And I, again, believe this is a powerful picture of the heart of God, what he wants for his followers. So what does it mean? Now, the dictionary defines the word blessed as blissfully happy or good fortune. Again, if we're thinking in those terms, we're not understanding what Jesus is saying in this most important concept. The possibility of life different than we know it. The abundant life, he said, that he came to give us. 
There's so much more. Long before Jesus used the word, Greek poet and author Homer used the same word, makarios, in Greek, when writing of the Greek gods. The Greek gods aren't like us because they're there and we're here, and they're not subject to poverty, disease, misfortune, death, all the things that happen to us. And so the word came to be used, and this is critical, for an inward contentedness unfazed by outward circumstances. This inward contentedness that is untouched or unfazed by our outward circumstances. Hmm. This is exactly where Jesus begins and exactly, I believe, what God desires for his followers. This inward contentedness that is not dependent in any way on our outward circumstances. Now, this word is used of God himself in the Bible. And if we are created in the image of God and as followers of Jesus, we have the divine nature in us. It also should be a part of how we live our lives. The word describes God in his character. He is content regardless of what's happening. He has given us the ability as well to live like this. But sadly, I find very, very few people, especially in this country in our expression of Christianity who can live consistently like this. I wonder what it would be like if we could grasp what Jesus is saying in the very first word that he uses. Now, this can only happen when we become the climbing companions of Jesus. It's not going to happen by how much we know or things that we do. It's a matter of a relationship with Jesus Now, as we begin thinking about this, uh, we would understand there's no lasting happiness. There's really no state of contentedness that's sustainable. There's really no uh, joy, as the Bible expresses it, except through the new king and the new kingdom that he came to proclaim. And that's where he begins in the Sermon on the Mount. Now, each beatitude begins with this word, makarios. Each beatitude is a paradox. We're going to see that over these next months as we begin talking about the beatitudes. What's a paradox? A paradox is a statement that uh, initially appears to be contradictory or maybe even opposite or crazy, but it's true. Let me give you some examples. If I were to say to you, this is a paradox, if I know anything, it's that I don't know anything. Now, for some of you, you've got to think about that just for a moment. I, I get that. Or how about this one? Deep down, you're really shallow. That's paradox. Or nobody eats at the Olive Garden anymore. It's too crowded. You see, each of the Beatitudes is a paradox, and Jesus taught using this teaching tool. It is a paradox. This fall in our mountaineering with the Master, we'll look at each beatitude. We'll look at each paradox that's presented here. And it's important we understand that Jesus used many different teaching techniques. Uh, he chose this one in the beatitudes. The world says that the happy are the rich, the successful, the powerful, the glamorous, the popular. Jesus is saying something quite different. Here's where the paradox comes in from the Master. He's telling his climbing companions that if we're going to find true happiness in life, It's got to come differently. That's where the Sermon on the Mount takes us, to a different way of living, climbing higher and higher to hear this life-giving message, life-changing words of the Master. Climb with me, Jesus invites us. And so, understand the Beatitudes are progressive. 
One will build on the other. They are not haphazard and random. Uh, as we mentioned last week, they are a unit. And so Jesus is taking us progressively through uh, the point that he's trying to make. Each one is linked to the other. Anyone here who's gutsy enough to live like this is going to live quite differently. Quite differently. It's going to be an authentic kind of life, a liberating kind of life. And this life, when lived properly, should bring rebuke and persecution. And I wonder how many of us are experiencing rebuke or persecution because of the way we're living our lives right now for Jesus. Wow. That's really kind of a brain twister as we get down to the last paradox. This is great stuff. If you're going to live like this, guess what? Jesus says right from the beginning. They're going to think you are really strange, and some of them aren't going to like you at all. Just watch my life and watch what happens to me. And so he's preparing his climbing companions. Blessed are the persecuted. And then he begins to talk about persecution. We'll get to that down the road. And so hear me out. Happiness is a choice. It's an invitation to a different way of living. This sense of contentedness that is really detached from circumstance. The choice is to bring God, the source of happiness, into the center of our lives. Blessed Jesus said, are those really happy or contented is what he's saying. And he would say, seek first God and his kingdom. Then everything else will be added unto you. Happiness, houses, kids, degrees, cars, everything else will follow if we would make the choice to put God first. That's what he's saying. And so C.S. Lewis would write in Mere Christianity, God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why it's just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way. God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. Now, honestly, in my life, I've found very few people who consistently live out lasting contentedness beyond their circumstances. And it's something that I struggle with as well. How can this be sustainable? And yet here's where Jesus begins his message. I want to be more and more like that, not dependent upon my circumstances. Totally separated from them, at least in my relationship with God and my perspective of life. And so this morning, if I'm on antibiotics and I'm fighting the same kind of crud, um, that is not going to define me, and that should not challenge my state of contentedness in who Jesus is and what he's doing in my life, you see. There should be no circumstance uh, that, we, uh, that should disrupt this state of contentedness. But now he's going to lay down some paradox, and this is really going to be mind-twisting as we begin thinking because this is a whole different way of living. It's a radical, radical way of living, and I want more of this. So I ask, are you a happy camper this morning? Do you consider yourself to be happy? Would others around you consider you to be a happy person in the state of being contented? Hmm. If not, you're in the right place because we're seeking Jesus here. And it begins when we stop seeking happiness. That's the first step that's got to happen. Stop trying to be happy. God never said this life would be happy. Stop 
seeking happiness. But that's my right as an American, this pursuit of happiness. That's my right. I have the right to be happy. Not according to Scripture. You have a right to be contented in the fullness of Jesus. And man, it's abundant. It's overflowing. It's rich. It's more than we will ever need. But so many of us seek happiness. And we have such a hard time finding it. Looking in all the wrong places. And it's right there in front of us. Right there in front of us, Jesus is saying. Stop seeking happiness. What do we do? Well, we climb. We seek the Savior. He says, come up here. Listen to what I have to say. These words will change your life. Climb a little higher above the circumstances of the moment that we find ourselves and find happiness, contentedness, this richness of relationship with Jesus. And it will take commitment. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. And if we're going to even think about this journey, about climbing up to hear the words of Jesus, it's got to have commitment attached to it. Commitment to follow Jesus in this radical kind of way. Now, here's a verbatim quote from a note found in the office of a young pastor killed for the faith in Zimbabwe. Maybe you've heard it before. I have in the... Every time I look at it, it just uh, challenges me, just stirs my heart. So after he was killed, they found this in his office. I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit's power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of his, uh, a climbing companion. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame vision, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularities. I don't have to be right. First tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, walk by patience. I am uplifted by prayer, and I labor with his power. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions will be few. My guide reliable, my mission clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the enemy, pander at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till all know, and work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he will have no problem recognizing me. What an inspiration from one of Jesus' climbing companions. Now Jesus asks each of us, will you climb with me? He's not looking for spiritual superstars. He's looking for us to take one more step toward him, to climb with him one more step. Not to jump up there all the way. He's just saying, take one more step, one more step. What does that step look like for you? What does it look like for me? To climb with Jesus, to put into practice these words of his that can revolutionize a life. Now, 
He's looking for climbing companions. He's calling us to take the higher road, but up there the rare is kind of, the air is rare. But there we sit in that peaceful place that Jesus sat and he taught them the words of life. We need courage and commitment. Who needs courage and commitment? I know I do. If I'm going to make this radical kind of decision, it's got to be a courageous decision. This isn't for the faint of heart. This is for those who truly want the fullness of what Jesus is offering in this message. It's a commitment to God. Maybe it has to do with your family or your marriage or your finances or a habit or an attitude or a relationship. Whatever it is, Jesus is saying, climb up here. Listen to what I have to say. Listen to what I have to say. He's looking for climbing companions. Who will join the climb? Who will mountaineer with a master? Who will say, I want this state of contentedness that's so separated from my circumstances? I want to live like that. I can't live like that. Jesus, I need you to live through me so I can live like that. But that means i got to let go of some things before I can do that. He's going to provide everything we need for the climb. All he's asking is, what's the next step? Come on up. Come on up and watch what I can do with your life. Be at peace. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for words of life, words filled with hope, words filled with encouragement. Oh, Lord, how I long, how I long to live my life like that. And I'm grateful that you never give up and you never fail us and you're always waiting for us. And when we stumble and fall and slide back down, and you just say, come on, come on, we can do this. We can do this. So Jesus, might you unleash your fullness, your plan and purpose. And as you begin to put your finger through the power of the Holy Spirit, the very finger of God, into our soul and saying, this is it right here. This is the thing. Give us the courage, Lord, to surrender and to say, oh God, fill me. Fill me. I need you desperately. Thank you, Jesus, for the invitation you give us to climb. God, now I ask that you'll give us the courage to follow you. So I say thanks. Thanks as we begin this journey in these life-giving words that you would breathe life into our church, you would breathe life into each family, you would breathe life into each person as we join the climb with you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what you're going to do and what you're doing right now. In Jesus' name.
Amen.